Welcome to the Equip Podcast. Here you'll find conversations from people of all different walks of life, sharing their experiences, the things the Lord has taught them, and things to equip you. Equip is based on Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that talks about equipping God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That is our goal here, to build you up and equip you through seasons of ups and downs in life. Welcome back to another episode of the Equip Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson, and today I'm joined in the studio by Jane Simmons. Jane is a licensed professional professional counselor who has practiced for 10 years, and she is here to share with us about grief. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad you're here today. Thank you. So I want to, as we get started into grief, talk about the stages of grief. We hear about that a lot. Can you share more about that? Well, the stages of grief, uh, people aren't really in agreement with that much anymore. And the reason for that is because if if you go through a stage, like say denial is the first one, and then it's anger, whatever the stages are, I really haven't even studied them. Because what happens is if somebody then gets angry again after denial, after they fig- finish doing denial, then they're angry, and then they go back to denial, they feel like, I'm not making any progress. Mm. When emotions with grief are so tangled up, they they come and they go. It's like the waves of the sea. And so you can't really say it's in stages. I guess it kind of puts you in a box. Yes. Yes. It can be very frustrating if you think I've got to get this stage and then this stage and what's the matter with me? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some scriptures that um, people that are dealing with grief and wrestling through that can cling to? Oh, there's plenty of scripture. And actually, I would say the whole theme of the Bible, Mm. this is why Christ came. Because at the very beginning in Genesis, death came because of sin. And so the whole history that God shows in the scripture is how he is coming to rescue people from death. That's our biggest problem. And when you think about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's, but there are specific scriptures that uh, I really love to go to. Um, I think about Isaiah 53, three through five, where it says he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and one one from whom men hid their face. And it goes on to say that surely our griefs he himself bore. He Mm. knows our grief. He's experienced them. It's a deep comfort. Yes, definitely. So how can grief show up in a person's life? What are some symptoms that might occur around grief? Um, there's a lot of symptoms. Well, of course we know they're going to be crying and hurt and sad, forgetful. That's an interesting one for people who watch somebody grieve and they don't realize, why didn't mom make my favorite meal? How did she forget my favorite meal? Well, that's kind of self-reflecting of somebody who's grieving, but uh, they become, where's my car keys? Um, a lot of people sometimes have more car wrecks because oh. they're not concentrating like they used to because mm-hmm. their mind is preoccupied with the grief that they're experiencing. So um, just concentration is a difficult thing. Um, insomnia, feeling oh. anxious, uh, anger. Anger's, uh, that's why I say it's not a stage because anger comes and goes. And one of the things that people are often angry at is God. They're angry, why, God, did this happen to me? Um, 
and the why. I, I love this little story. When my father died at his funeral, the pastor said, um, to know why doesn't always solve the problem. But mm. people think, if I knew why, I'd be okay. But he said, imagine a little girl who's running into a room and she s- closes the door and smashes her finger. And it hurts so badly. And she's screaming and crying and runs to her daddy. And her daddy says, well, honey, let me tell you why it hurts. A hundred pounds or 500 pounds of that door on your teeny little finger, that's why it hurts. That doesn't make the little girl feel better. She wants comfort. And that's what we need is, is comfort um, rather than knowing why. Asking other questions like, when will I get better? Or how can I get better? What scripture is going to help me? Rather than trying to figure out why. But that's our go-to. Why? Well, and I think it's easy to look for someone to blame. Because then we can have some kind of scapegoat or some kind of reasoning. And we think that there's comfort in that and there's not. There isn't. Blame is a dead end street. Mm. It just does not do anything for you. So how is how can grief affect our marriages or our relationships with others? Well, if a person is grieving and they're not concentrating as well, and they're more anxious, um, and they're more angry, and they're more irritated because they're trying to get back to uh, a homeostasis place, mm-hmm. can take it out on other people. You know, it can be a misplaced anger. And so it, it upsets the spouse, it upsets the children, um, because the person is still trying to resolve issues of the lost person that they they have loved for so long and they're gone. Nightmares, not sleeping well, you know, it's hard to function when all those things are going on in in their mind. So it's kind of like you're dealing with something internally and this spouse or other friend or child or whatever is there too. And so they get, it gets taken out on them, not necessarily intentionally. Yes, exactly. And hopefully the spouse will kind of understand, Mm -hmm. you know, and be a support so it won't be so bad. But one thing I would like to add about um, having lost somebody, like a a child who has lost a parent. Mm -hmm. They lose two parents, really, because the other Mm -hmm. one's grieving. And so that the child is very, very lonely. I mean, they've lost a parent and they're sad, but the spouse has lost somebody. So it's a double whammy for a child that's lost a parent. Well, speaking of children, can you share a little bit about what the grieving process looks like in children and how someone could walk a child through grief? Um, I think a lot of times children are left out because Mm. adults are dealing with all the legalities and everything that's going on. And people will say things they shouldn't say to children, like, you need to be strong for your mommy or Mm. something like that. And just just to clarify, no one can be strong for somebody else. We all need strength individually from the Lord. And um, rather than putting that guilt trip on a little kid, minister to that child. Let that child speak about how he or she is feeling. Let them talk about the parent. The other thing that happens is maybe the child doesn't want to talk to the parent because they don't want to see the parent crying. And it makes that parent sad. So the child is then actually carrying the burden for the adult. and It's a lot of pressure for a child. It is very much so. And so the parent has to be able to say, honey, it's okay if I cry. It's okay. Our tears are helping us. Mm-hmm. So um, opening up communication would be so helpful. So looking at familial and friendships that are grieving, what's an appropriate amount of time 
um, that someone might grieve and maybe take it out on you before it's like, hey, you really need to address this? That's a really good question because people tend to want the people who are grieving to speed it up, Mm -hmm. you know, get back to who you used to be. Um, But actually research says 18 months to two years is the minimum. If the person is working on their grief, if they're not working on it, it could be a long time. And it also depends on who the person lost. Um, what we hear on Grief Share, which I want to introduce Grief Share, is a wonderful ministry that people can attend. It has DVDs and a workbook. It's very biblically based. Um, and you all offer that at the church, right? Yes, okay. we do. And actually, you can go to griefshare.org. Okay. I'll and, put that in the show notes for okay, anybody good. that wants to check it out. Uh, and you can plug in your zip code and find out where a church or any facility is holding Grief Share that's mm-hmm. closest to you and when you can start attending it. But even griefshare.org, you can go and get devotions and lots of information for people who are grieving. That's good. It's very helpful. Um, if you have a friend or a spouse or someone who you know is grieving, but they're not really addressing it or getting help, how can you encourage them to get help without coming across as you need to hurry up and speed up this process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you can't hurry them up for one thing. A lot of compassion, Mm. uh, particularly if you've never experienced grief yourself. It's uh, people who are grieving hear tremendously awful things. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Things like, "Mm, why don't you get a dog? Yes. Well, yeah, but there's lots of things that people will say, and they will say platitudes, things that are true, like he's in heaven now. Well, yes, that's maybe true, but that doesn't help me in my grief. I mean, mm-hmm. in realistic thoughts, um, they do need to hear the truth, but there's a time for that. Not not just say, "Well, just trust the Lord." Oh, that makes them feel like they're not exactly. Yeah. So a lot of compassion, patience. And like I said, if a minimum of two years to expect that person to snap back to who they were before, is it's not fair to them. Mm. So what are some things that people might grieve uh, that are less obvious than the death of a loved one? Like if someone dies, we know you're going to have grief over that. But what are some other things that people may grieve? Well, divorce. Mm. That's that's almost sometimes uh, worse than a death because there isn't a finality, you mm-hmm. know, and it's it's very painful in in a lot of cases, um, but it's still not the same as an actual death. Mm-hmm. That's that is what Christ came to redeem us from. Um, so we don't usually when when we do grief share. We don't allow anybody in the group who hasn't had a death of someone. Even if it's somebody is dying, it's not the same as somebody who has died. Mm -hmm. So um, I know there was something about anticipatory grief. Yes, I want to talk about that. That kind of thing. Yes. Well, when people come to Grief Share, um, maybe some of them have had somebody who's been sick for 10 years, and they know they're going to die eventually. So they've been grieving all along because the person they married wasn't like that. And so they're grieving the loss of the marriage they thought they were going to have. They're grieving the the retirement they thought and the traveling. There's a lot of things they're already grieving. That's that anticipatory kind of grief. And so, yeah, there's a lot of losses when there is uh, someone dies, 
you if it's a child, you you're grieving their wedding day, their graduation day, their grandchildren, all these things that you had hoped and planned. So really grieving expectations. Yes. Yes. Dreams and hopes. So is anticipatory grief grieving what would have come or is it more like expecting something to happen and so you're almost pre-grieving? Well, the actual definition of it is you are involved in a life of somebody who is expected to die. Okay. And so you're anticipating grief. Mm, but, because you're anticipating death. Yes. Got it. Yes. Wow. I, I just can't imagine knowing that's coming. And then how do you take care of yourself in that? Well, that's a, a good thing to know because uh, you can be worn out being a caregiver and caregivers need to be able to take care of themselves. So whatever it is that that person needs to refresh themselves, whether it's daily or weekly or whatever it is when they're caring for somebody, they need to find time where they can have, if they can, fun. Mm. Something that's a diversion from what they're having to go through on a daily basis. So it seems like people process grief, whether anticipatory and needing to take care of themselves or grief that has already happened and death that has already happened in different ways. So how can friends offer support during that time? I know we talked about some things not to say Mm -hmm. to somebody that's grieving, but what are some things you can say or do to help? Um, One of the things that you can do is sometimes silence. Mm -hmm. I I know that sounds kind of strange, but we often feel like we got to say something. And a lot of times when we got to say something, it's not always the right thing to say. We see that clearly laid out in the book of Job, where his friends were silent and it was working out, and then they opened their mouth and it was all downhill from there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So don't be afraid of silence. Just being present is is very comforting. Um, Again, when my father died, this man, when we were leaving the gravesite, this man just said to me, what a beautiful day. That meant a lot to me. I can't really explain why, except that he wasn't trying to help me with my grief or, you know, say something profound. It was just, you're right, it was a beautiful day. And that was simple. And that's all we we really need to just let that person know, I care. I don't understand it. Here's some cake. (laughs) Here's some cake. (laughs) Or dinner or something, you know, something Mm -hmm. just to let them know that you you care for them as a whole person. Yeah. And that you're present. Mm -hmm. So um, I've heard some people who have lost loved ones talk about saying the name of the person that they've lost being helpful. I've heard this a lot, Mm -hmm. um, especially with women who have lost babies or children. Mm -hmm. Um, But can you give us some insight on why that is? Well, if, if we don't say the person's name, if we just constantly overlook it, it's like we're trying to hide, you know, mm-hmm. put it away. Don't, don't talk about that person. Where the person who's grieving still loves that person very much, and their memories are very much still with them. Mm-hmm. And to hear their name is like salve to the soul. Oh, yeah, I remember that too when he did such and such. That was so great. It may make them cry, but that's okay. They want to still know that you remember that person yeah. and that you cared about them as well. Helps them not feel so alone, I guess. Yes. I remember we did a podcast earlier this season with Dr. Grace English, and she shared about her abortion and how in the healing process, she named that child and how that was part of healing. And I think yes. there's just power in a name. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
What are some types of therapy or coping skills that you often recommend for people that come to see you for grief? I always recommend Grief Share. It's it's a well-studied um, ministry. It's been going on for 25-something years. It's international. Um, the people who started it uh, lost two babies, mm-hmm. and so their heart is for helping people to grieve. They certainly experienced a lot of negative things, so they, they know how to... Um, teach people on how to be comforted and looking to God's Word. It's it's really an excellent ministry. Well, and that camaraderie of being with other people that have experienced similar yes, things. Yes, absolutely. And what's really wonderful about facilitating grief share is you watch the people through the semester when they the very first night is so painful because everybody's saying what happened and your heart is just aching for everyone. And then by the end of the semester, they see some light. Mm-hmm. They, they're they not so angry and they're not questioning so much. But it, it's been a hard semester, but to see God working in people's lives, it's beautiful. Is grief share something that you would do early in the process of grieving? You know, it's different for everybody. Okay. I've met people who two weeks after their spouse died came to grief share, or some people who have lost children they just could not come for quite some time. And then they would come and go, oh, I'm so glad we came. And so, and it's not for, it's not for everybody. What about when one-on-one counseling? One-on-one is, that's a good idea for people who get stuck because you do get stuck in, in grief. A lot of times when there's a stuck time, this is what's going on in their mind. I should have done this. If only I had done that. Mm. Whenever you know there's a should or I wish, that's a stuck thought. Well, and how can you predict that with grief? I mean, grief is going to look different every day and affect you in different ways. Yes. You can't think, oh, I should have done this. Well, you didn't know it was going to come at you in this way. Correct. Oh, and that, that leads me to the thought of ambushing. We, when people grieve, they start doing pretty good eventually. And then all of a sudden something happens and it reminds them and they just tumble back down into that sadness. That's why I say there's no stages because things can ambush you from out of the blue. You're having a good day and then something came on the TV or some friend called and uh, it's all over again. So um, being aware of ambushing is uh, an important thing. That's good. Um, How does grief shift with time? I know you've talked about how you do well and then you're doing not so well. How does that kind of change? We walk us through that. It is a process that people have to actively work with because mm. there is that sense of denial. Oh, he's he's not gone. I he's going to walk through the door any minute, and mm. or the phone's ringing. It must be him. Or look that out in the crowd, there he is. It's it's that so used to that person, but after a while, you begin to realize, okay, he's not coming in the door. He's not going to be calling me, and. Um, you eventually acclimate to that. It's painful, but you know people around you remind you that he's not there. Um, not because they say it, but just because everything's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's that feeling of I'm I don't fit in anymore. What's my identity? I don't even know who I am. Uh, I do, you know I used to be a mother. I'm not anymore. Or I was a grandmother. And my child grandchild's gone. Whatever the the loss is tends to change the person's identity. And so we tell people, look for your identity in Christ. How can people prepare to deal with grief during the holidays? I think of Mother's Day or Father's Day, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So painful. Oh, yeah. Um, 
we also at Grief Share do Surviving the Holidays, Mm -hmm. which is a very good ministry as well. But one of the things that they would suggest is plan ahead. Don't let this ambush you. You know the birthday's coming. You know all of these things are happening. And so you can, in your mind, even decide you're going to have to throw a party anyway or um, do something special on that day. Whatever something new for a tradition, you could do that as well. So just just plan ahead. Should other people try to celebrate with you or like look ahead Whatever to Whatever you want to do. Okay. You know, one thing that people when they're deeply grieving is they want to isolate themselves. They just don't know how to be out in public anymore. Mm. And isolating themselves during the holidays is not always a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so it may be that their friends need to be able to be right there for them. And say, hey, come on, let's let's do something special. I know it's going to be a hard day. Your anniversary's coming up. Let's let's do something. Yeah. So, how can someone balance celebrating other people also while also grieving their loss? So, I think of a mom that lost her baby and gets invited to a baby shower or sees a pregnancy announcement on Facebook. How do you balance those two feelings? That's very difficult. And again, the grieving process, she's not always going to be like that, the hope is. Um, But you've heard the phrase, if you fall off the horse, get back up on and ride it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're going to be anxious about riding horses ever, you know. Mm -hmm. And so... When we have anxiety about something, like I don't want to go to the baby shower because I've lost my baby and I might cry and that kind of thing, um, you you kind of have to make yourself do it. That sounds harsh and cruel, but um, avoidance always makes the problem worse. Mm. Avoidance never fixes anything. And that's where anxiety comes from is a lot of the times is from avoiding something. And we know that if you even have a person in your life that is kind of an irritant to you, you try to avoid them, that person becomes more of an irritant to you. So it is where you need to face that person, just say, hi, how are you? (laughs) That kind of thing. Well, with baby showers, it always hurts Mm -hmm. until the grieving process. We know in scripture, it says to, to, Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So even the griever eventually will need to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice. And hopefully people will weep with her when she's weeping. It's good. It's good. I appreciate so much your insights on grief. Is there anything we didn't cover or you think our listeners need to hear? Well, it's a, it's a huge topic, and it certainly is. Like I said, it's something that touches everyone at mm-hmm. some point in time. And we need to even... When there's nobody we know that's dying or that we've experienced death, is still be prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why Christ came, so that we can be prepared for heaven and for our own death or for people that we love. I love this uh, question and answer catechism question that says, what is your only comfort in life and death? And it says that I am not my own, but belong both body and soul, both in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. And that's our hope. Living for him now will prepare us for whenever we need to grieve the loss of someone 
prepare our own selves for heaven. That's good. Well, before we close today, there are two questions I ask all of our guests. What is something that you're loving and what is something that you're learning? Oh boy, what I am loving, I could think of several things, Mm -hmm. but I'm loving learning EMDR therapy to help people with trauma. It is fantastic. And uh, what am I learning? I'm learning EMDR therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Will you give us a brief overview of what EMDR therapy is? Yes, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and people who grieve can have EMDR therapy as well. Okay. That can help them. Um, it's for trauma, any kind of tra- trauma, big, little, doesn't matter. What it does is it moves your memory from the place in your brain where your emotions are, where you feel it over and over, to a place where you don't have the emotions attached to it. Hmm. And so... When doing EMDR therapy for people who are grieving, they're afraid, oh, I don't want to forget my loved one. You won't. You won't. You just won't have that, maybe that memory of how he looked when he died or something mm. to that effect mm-hmm. that is just keeps coming up in the, the mind. It's, things. Yes. Yeah. And so then they can remember them the way they remember them in a loving way. I love that. Well, Jane, thanks for being here today You're and welcome. sharing about grief with us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Equip Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode drops. And follow us on social media to stay connected. We're at GABC underscore women. See you next time.